back to episode of Crew 3 Podcast, now in Season 2. I make no promises other than the content is only going to go downhill from here, and uh, I've got the shark lined up and ready to go. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Hey, doing I? I'm doing pretty good, recovering from a, a pretty big wrestling tournament I attended over the weekend. Yeah, you took part and commentated in. Right. Must have been pretty exhausting. Talk about that here in just a minute. As we, before, before we get into it, real quick, this episode, the layout's going to be what saved magic this week, because we had a wonderful weekend, thank, made in part thanks to all of our wonderful listeners at home and our wonderful Discord community, taking part in our webcam event and making Extra Life a wonderful success. Now we're going to talk about all those Crimson Vow spoilers that we haven't gotten a chance to talk to yet. We're not going to do full spoiler, we're not going to go over every card, we're going to talk about a lot of the cards, the good, the bad, the ugly... The Odrix. The Odrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're going to go over some uh, bruised features on the new cards. We're going to have some fun this week. Uh, no metagame. And then, of course, everything's going to be marked up by chapters. And the end of the episode, I will be announcing the three giveaway winners from the Extra Life donors. So thank you again to those donors. So let's talk about that then, shall we? Of course, this weekend, what saved magic? the Extra Life stream, and our wonderful community, as always. I don't think we give you guys, we sorry, you listeners enough credit uh, in how wonderful you all are. Such an amazing community coming together, hitting our goal this year. I'm going to give away a box, a uh, a set booster box of a standard legal, standard legal set here in just an hour or so, among other things. So, uh, of course, Ricky, thank you for uh, being here with me for, we didn't make the full 25 hours with the time change, uh, but we made a pretty good run. I think we were going for like 15, 16 hours. And then of course, thank you, Chris, for remotely tuning in for the wrestling stream. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a whole lot of fun. Lots of fun. Had some great webcam magic. Um, like I said, the, the, the webcam tournaments probably aren't going to be every month still. Uh, we're probably going to go back to sort of a semi-regular time with those, but I did have a lot of fun and I do want to play a little more webcam magic with people. So look out for random streams where I just say, hey, who's in the Discord? Full proxies allowed. Come play some webcam magic with me. We'll stream those up, change things up, have a lot of fun that way. Uh, look out for probably not going to stream most of the webcam events when they do happen because uh, that is a lot of work. Uh, and then the wrestling stuff was obviously a big success. And I don't want to over inundate you all with that. So look out for another wrestling stream probably like every like two or three months or so. Give me a chance to refresh the roster a bit come up with matches, make up the storylines. And uh, yeah, so that should be fun. Gentlemen, what, what, were, some your, what were some of your highlights? Man, I, I just want to say it was funny to see people like didn't know what we were going to do. It's hard to describe in podcast form. So yes. uh, what we did, uh, because we also wanted to make it a little bit of a surprise to make it funny, um, but now that you can go see it, and I recommend if you haven't, go and check it out on YouTube. Even if you've never seen anything we did before, it's worth the price of admission. I watched it back, something that I was a part of, and was uh was chuckling nonstop. It was it was hilarious. It was funny. It was funny to see. Just the game itself was funny. The guys obviously getting together was was a great time. Um, but we took a uh, Ruckman took a wrestling video game that's out there uh, based on an IP and was able to customize wrestlers in the form of various magic cards. And then we simulated matches uh, between various uh, between various participants, various magic cards and 
magic personalities, I guess I can throw in there now. Magic. And, Wizards uh, of the Coast employees for the first thing. Wizards of the Coast employees, indeed. And it was an amazing time. People came out in, in force to support us. Uh, the reading chat made us laugh. It was such a great time. So we definitely want to do that again. And like I said, if you missed it, um, you definitely have to go check it out on YouTube. We've already had a couple people reach out and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that I found this. And uh, glad, glad for the support. on. This. Shout out to the one person who's like, I'm just getting into magic. But I really love wrestling. Like we filled that person's niche. Like, <laughs> yeah, they found exactly the... <laughs> right. Oh, there are dozens of us, right? Classic, yeah. uh, classic, uh, never nude comparison there, if you will. <laughs> the person who is loves wrestling, getting into magic cards. Man, we're here for you. You know, we're here for you. What was the highlight? What was your favorite match of the night that you that you guys? Uh, that you guys uh, Wavering Mike versus the forces of time and space. <laughs> Wavering Mike, of course, our our new official referee for most uh, C3W uh, lineups. Yeah, Wavering Michael uh, quickly became a fan favorite and stole the show. Uh, might have some beef with Servo Token for the next pay-per-view. We'll see what happens there. Um, I loved the band creature battle ro- or extreme rules match mm-hmm. because of just like we were just talking and then just suddenly the match was over and then we got to watch the instant replay of so what happened? Mm-hmm. Only for the camera to show the low blow into pinfall. Yep, like that was just perfect. It was rigged. That one was rigged, though. Yeah, that, that was, was that was definitely rigged. collusion. Yeah, I saw the collusion happening there. Undercity Informer helping out Palestred Spy. Other way around. You know who was helping who at the end of the day. Right? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, obviously the the listeners will just have to go watch it and decide for themselves. Was it was it a dirty play or not? Let us know in the Discord. Well, it doesn't matter. It was Extreme Rules. It's all dirty plays in that. Oh, goodness. Uh, extreme <laughs> rules, rules. I just so want to know what happened in Servo's programming that made him just start taking off all the turnbuckles. The turnbuckles. <laughs> I don't know what happened. What wrestler was he supposed to be? I don't even remember. One that whoever takes it was, down I can all tell the you, turnbuckles. Whoever it was, I can tell you it's the lowest rated wrestler in the game. <laughs> I know why now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was Eugene, uh, huh? No, Eugene, surprisingly, not in the game. Oh, my goodness. Why not? He's, he was uh, actually just a roadie. He was just trying to take apart the set and move on to the next town. <laughs> right, right, right. He's just deconstructing things as servos do. He's like, I'm just trying to break down, man. What are you doing? Why are you hitting me? Why are you touching me? <laughs> I'm also not going to spoil the Pioneer Rumble surprise entrant number 30. I'm so glad uh, it ended the way it did. It felt like a really big hero moment for everyone involved. Also, I appreciate all the chat being like, I don't watch wrestling. But I know who number 30 is and just F number 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real coming together moment. Uh, in the actual tournament, though, it was a lot of fun, too. Ricky walked away several times by uh, some amazing otherworldly gazes. I can tell you that otherworldly gaze is not a good card. I can but tell Servo you Token sure makes it seem that way. That Servo Token is beyond good cards and bad cards. And then uh, also, shout outs to the self-admittedly not human wonky wombat for retaining the championship oh yeah and if we go to the format wombat might retain uh remain champion for a little while longer yeah so that's so, uh, uh, pack all your burn hate that's exactly right see what you can do yeah the all, close match at the end that was some real yeah. magic uh the, the, also those unlike the wrestling thing where i just kind of uploaded the whole vod i am editing out match by match of the webcam VOD. I'm just going to throw them all up in a playlist. That way everyone can kind of go through and then I have to sort of scrub through uh, Ricky and I just spouting nonsense in between rounds. This is some pretty good nonsense. It was. It's all good nonsense. 
props to our friend Ed who showed up and played for a round or two, but like Ed just had some of the worst luck that week I've ever seen in anything. We it watched him play. Servo. Oh my gosh. We watched him play uh, like arena before or after the webcam, some, somewhere in there, like sometimes that week. And the amount of just like drawing five lands in a row was just like every single match was just like draw five lands in a row. And it was like, man, rough. Like he was literally snapping defeat from the jaws of victory. And uh, sorry, he had that that rough bender of luck. Dude, I will say uh, I, I appreciate everyone who's played our webcam sealed leagues for fun with us. Just oh, being like, sure. yo, but y'all, Ed is real good. You don't even know how good <laughs> Ed is. <laughs> yeah, Ed, Ed's a ringer for sure. Uh, yeah, actually, it was a lot of fun. We raised a lot of good money for charity, and uh, I'm ready to give away some stuff here at the end of the episode. So make sure you tune in for that if you are uh, eligible to win one of the giveaways. Anything else before we move on? No, I, I guess we hit year two next week. So I guess uh, next week is like officially, you know, season 2.1, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. So we'll, stay we'll, we'll hit that that. Uh, that that week two patch. Uh, yeah, we uh, got a lot of cool stuff getting ready to go. Ha- been happening, gonna keep happening because we're here for the long haul. Because Pioneer's coming back, uh, especially. Hey, guess what? They even put an official Pioneer channel in the official Magic: The Gathering Discord now. Nice. Can you type messages in it? You can. That is a big improvement from the last time Magic: The Gathering had a Discord channel. I'm still in that Discord channel, by the way. Oh my lord! Can you type messages in that one? No. All right, excellent. They also banned emotes <laughs> because people started using the e- the letter emotes to leave <laughs> yeah, messages to, <laughs> to try to communicate with each other. Yeah, mm. there's still some silent protests going on in the form of usernames. Anyway, let's talk about Crimson Vow spoilers, shall we? So we didn't get a lot of chance to talk about a lot of what's going on. I kind of remember most of the cards we talked about. Very few. Uh, so let's kind of just go line by line here. Um, let's see here. I think we, t- did we talk about Swords to Plowshares? Swords to Plowshares? Yeah, faith, Faithbound Judge. Oh, this card is nowhere near Swords to Plowshares. I don't know, it's got three, it needs three counters and it's got a bunch of glowing swords. That's Swords Revealing Light. That's what I meant. You haven't been playing Yu-Gi-Oh enough. I haven't. You gotta watch uh, that one guy on YouTube that now uploads a different Yu-Gi-Oh tournament event every single day now. Oh, jeez. With uh, new commentary or just the event? Oh, no, no, no. Like, it's his, like, uh, he's got, like, his, the sealed showdowns and then all the, like, it's just a million different things Oh, it's now. the guy who does the uh, the progression. Progression league. series, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Um, Sinner's Judgment's really funny with Vorinclex in that if you have a Vorinclex and your opponent has a Sinner's Judgment, it doesn't get counters. But if you have a Vorinclex and a Sinner's Judgment, it speeds up your clock by a turn. Hold on, so... If you so if your opponent plays Sinner's Judgment on you and you have the Vorniclix, you don't get counters, right? Correct. Because it's my opponent's card getting the counters. It's not me getting the counters, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. And then if Vorniclix does some of the stupidest stuff, I just every time that card hits the table, I feel like they should have played anything else because it does some stupid interaction for my cards. Yeah. Um, this one, though, it works as uh, expected. It'll also stop the Faithbound Judge from ever getting his third counter. That's very true. Uh, I also, I will say, though, Sinner's Judgment, I really want to win with it just so I could quote a Knight's Tale at my opponent and tell them that they've been measured and found wanting. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this card is very, very cool, very, very splashy. 
Uh, the front side is so awful, so I don't think we were. It's worth talking about, and it's like the yeah. the back side is the only part that's good. Uh, uh, no, not worth talking about after the memes. Yeah, like I mean, it just sits on the board for three turns, and then it's allowed mm. to attack. Yeah, it does have vigilance. Also, it's a defender with vigilance, which is uh, just if you only read the first line of text, a very funny magic card. <laughs> Chris, do you like this card at all? Faithbound Judge. Sinner's Judgment? Sinner's Judgment I'm interested in, because um, obviously like, there's an interesting way to to mill it, potentially. Right. Various ways of, of doing so. Um, I think the front side's better than it looks. Like, I'm down to block with the 4-4. At the very least, you know, we don't really want this on the on the battlefield for that long, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if we're lucky enough to trade with something, um, I assume this, you know, I, I haven't read the, gotten to the bottom of... Um, Jeez, the 4-4 that has the Declaration of Independence on it yet? Which one? Uh, the old one from Throne. Que- Questing Beast? Questing Beast. Jeez, man, what a day. Uh, yeah, I haven't read all of Questing Beast yet. I'm still working on Chapter 45. Um, but mm. I do believe that if we block with this, it still trades with Questing Beast. So for that, for, you know, it cleanly blocks a Phoenix. Um, there's a lot of things that it blocks that I'm pretty happy with. So I don't think the front bi- front side's as bad as it seems to buy us time. And then, you know, we can do our shenanigans. But, you know, for Pioneer, I mean, that's a tough ask. We have so many good cards in Pioneer. You know, so many great so many great answers, so many great threats. Not sure that it makes the cut. I, speaking of that, I mean, I, I, I will say I don't think there's a lot of stuff in this set that has immediate homes in Pioneer. And honestly, I... I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Like, I like that Pioneer, we have enough stability that, like, yeah, cards can still make an impact, but there is, like, some barrier, level of barrier to entry to the format. For sure. Go ahead. Oh, I thought I heard Ricky. Oh, I just, I just moved a bit. Oh, gotcha. Um, I was going to say, and I think one one thing I like about Pioneer is I keep like making decks is you can throw new cards there and if you want to, you can throw old cards in there. If if old cards are harder to find in your area for whatever reason, but newer cards are, are more readily available, a lot of the newer cards, at least from some of the stronger sets that we've been seeing, are, are reasonable replacements for some old ones. So um, I think there are decks that you can make that May not be quite as strong using the very best cards, but if you want to broom a little bit differently, I don't think there's that much loss. You know, like we had a strong power creep between Throne and Theros. So, you know, some of those cards you do need. Otherwise, I think there's a lot of replacement cards you can use. I'm finding a lot of use for like Spectral Adversary from uh, the last set and and a lot of cards just like that in general that I think are fine replacements or reasonable side grades, if you will, to, to existing decks and existing things or new brews you can make. For sure. Uh, what else we got here? What do you think of, like, Soren? What do you... Alright, what do I think of Soren? Um, he costs one extra mana and isn't good as the Soren we currently play. I... See, because I, I think he, like, he's not tribal Soren, right? Like, he's not meant to be played in tribal. But if we're playing, like, he's just, like, gets to Bob, right? Like, is that bad? I mean, it's really weird because it's a Bob that lets you just, like, oh, Emrakul? No, no, no. Uh, I don't want this. One. <laughs> Stay, leave, leave that one there. I'll I'll just take this one later. Yeah, I, which is really funny to me that we've like gotten to the point where it's just like, uh, like a Bob effect isn't good enough. It's like it's like well, it's Bob, but also you can just not take it if it's gonna hurt you too much, which is sort yeah. of funny. Um, he makes the two three flying vampire with life link, which is uh good. Like, he seems like a control card, right? Yeah. Um. But also just, I don't think he can break into Pioneer. Standard, he's going to be insane. 
but mm-hmm. uh, I think I think there's a chance he could. I think I think his home actually, and there's a lot of great rock cards, but would be in a green black deck that you would really want this card advantage. You know, where it's yeah. like you know you're going to be removing a lot of your opponent's creatures. So you're not super worried about them killing it. Right. And so you're just looking for your incremental advantage, which it definitely gives you. And then it can pop some creatures out early. If you do, you know, if you haven't dealt with all the creatures yet, you need to tap out on turn four and protect it. You know, a, a two, three does a reasonable job and, and uh, it just gets you your value kind of as you go into the late game. Once you've cleared the board, because again, you know, green, black has right. so much removal. What they lack is, is card advantage. So here's a way to get it, you know, out of a black planeswalker. And uh, I do like professor Onyx a ton, but I think this is being four mana is a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, we have a Planeswalker package with, like, Vraska, we'll be on the last hope, a couple, like, one of these in there. Like, I think it's a fine mix, right? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I, I, I like this for card advantage more than any of those other ones. Obviously, the other ones are more, like, answer-based. And this one's how we can, you know, protect itself with a 2-3 lifelinker um, that, you know, that has some evasion or, or get us some card advantage going. I do think that, like, against Burn, this is a very good card. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just like make a two three lifelinker, and then you're gonna have to throw a burn spell his way to make him not make the second one. Right? I think the big thing too is that if we can protect Soren, he does just make two tokens. Like he gets the minus twice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'd pay two. I mean, that's that's two uh, two three flying lifelinkers, right? Like that's a clock, you know? Like just so either one, but it flies, kill. right? Yeah. No, pretty pretty huge. I mean, I, I'm so interested. In him. I don't. Do know what he's uh what he's pre selling at? Seventeen. 17. I think that's a reasonable cost. I don't know that I would necessarily buy him because I'm, I'm not sure how much effect he's going to have in standard. Um, he, he almost seems worse in, in standard because, you know, I, I think that the decks are a little more a little more answer based, I guess. Mm-hmm. A lot of answers between like your is it control decks and whatnot. And, you know, white aggro is just going to go wider than you probably can deal with. And again, in standard, you don't have the answers you do in pioneers so like this. I'm thinking backed up with assassins, trophies, fatal pushes, all the sweet cards, green, black has. I, I think you could I think you could at least reasonably play it in that deck. Right. Um, Chris, I know you've been talking about uh, Jacob Hawken. What do you think? Yeah, Jacob, Jacob's a card I'm a fan of. I, I think we were talking most of it before the podcast and talking about the comparisons to Jace. Um, Jace is, is probably better for a lot of reasons, just because you can um, draw a card, discard a card. And a lot of times, like the thing about this that I don't like is we draw a card, then exile a card from your hand face down. Do we really want to be exiling our good cards? Like we probably want to be casting our good cards, right? But at the same time, I think the upsides to this, and this was a bold statement that I made, is I like the backside to Jacob, the enchantment that it gives us, better than I like the backside to Jace. I don't think casting, you know, a repeat spell is that insane. I don't think the, you know, I just don't think the benefits of of flip Jace on the Planeswalker side are are that outstanding. Whereas this letting us cast spells for free could be pretty insane. And it's probably a deck that you're looking to set up, right? We're like, we're looking to put a magma opus under there that we weren't going to cast, right? Or, or something to that effect. I just, I think that there are some upsides here. It's probably a little bit too cute. But there's definitely a home for it somewhere if you want to make one. I definitely think the card's worth playing, but you're probably doing something, you know, taking full advantage of the of the free spells aspect of this and wanting setting something a little more controlling where we activate Setting up some otherworldly gazes, maybe? Yeah, absolutely right. Some, something stop. like that, you know? Or or our deck's full of redundant cards, right? Cards you where can't like, hey, stop the future, old man. It's our <laughs> time now, Ricky. That's it. That's it. And, I play uh, bad index with flashback. I'm good. Arr. 
Oh, oh, the tables have turned. I, I didn't. I wasn't here. Uh, it's been, I guess, twenty minutes, so I didn't understand the uh, the change in Ricky's tone. How quickly he flip flops on things. I didn't. You know, no, Ricky was always the otherworldly gaze. Was that? I've always been anti otherworldly gaze. Oh, was it? Was it just me and Ruckman who liked it then? Yeah. Oh well. Then, and all of our Discord. All of our Discord. Well, dozens of us can't be wrong. Uh, last thought on on Jacob is just that, you know, again, if your deck's full of redundant cards where you don't care, right, you're going to draw a card and get rid of a card like another draw spell that you don't care anyway, uh, and then flip it to just draw more cards later. That'd be another case you can play this. But uh, I do think it's super interesting. But like you said, this, it is tough to to justify pitching a card when the whole point of like the draw, you know, draw a card to filter is that like we want to keep those cards in our hand, obviously. So, yeah. Um, Ricky, do you have a gatekeeper is a weird card. I say, if you don't have any, do you have any other thoughts on Chandra? I think we talked a lot about her last week. I've already talked enough about All Chandra. Right. Let's let's talk about the whole the cemetery cycle. Let's talk about Gatekeeper first, though, since you brought that up. What is it? What does Gatekeeper do? It's a two mana, two one first strike. Hey, it's a vampire, a good one actually. Ooh! Enters the battlefield, you get to exile a card from a graveyard. Whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card, Cemetery Gatekeeper deals two damage to that player. So, so we can on how many extra we want to play yeah well the thing is i like the first strike yeah the fact that it only gets exile when it comes to play is a little rough because like if we're curving right it's not a fetch format like in modern right yeah so if we're on the play and we go swift spear into this right there might not be a card to exile and then we're just playing a two mana two one first striker which The Shino Pyromancer is just better than. I think the green and blue one in this cycle are probably the best because they can keep exiling stuff right. But I think Cemetery Gatekeeper, if it kept exiling on attack, would be just a tad too good at two mana. Right, because it'll eventually just be any spell. Yeah. Like, I can see this maybe in the sideboard against Phoenix. Like, if you catch Mm. an instant or a sorcery. Yeah. Like, not only that, but like, not only do you hurt their yard, right? Yeah. Uh, you then are going to punish them every time they cast any spell. Mm-hmm. And that could be huge. Definitely. So I think that, like, it might... But, like, at that point, like, sideboard cards, like, you just probably should just bring in a better graveyard hate than that. Yeah. I just feel like this card is overrated. This card is selling way high right now. And for Pioneer, I don't see it. And maybe it's good in Standard. It just is... I think it's very overrated. I'm not sure on it. Not sold. I yeah, I agree. I think it's getting sideboard slots, and that's kind of about it. Like in modern, if it eats a fetch land, and now your opponent's taking two damage every time they play a land. Right. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's I was going to say that's where it's better in like um, sets that are or formats that are newer than modern, actually, because you know if if you've got a way to put a land into your yard, which red can do reasonably with rummage effects, right? You theoretically could um, do your you know your one fetch land we have in in pioneer and, and do that i i do think that the land is the interesting part where you're getting more guaranteed damage in uh, because there are quite a few unless you get creature creature is pretty good in the pioneer format but in general i agree with you i think that you know you've got to be just doing something pretty cute with it mm-hmm. and like also it's sort of like speaking of fabled passage hot takes incoming but I think Fabled Passage is probably one of the swingiest cards in Pioneer, or at least has the potential to be the swingiest card in Pioneer. Okay. Oh yeah, you want to you want to expound on that? Just real quick, um, 
since there's no equi- like equivalent to that ability, like to get two lands like that simply, it's so like any card that has a landfall trigger like Tireless Tracker or Omnath, right? Yeah. Like they just are pushed over the edge if you have a Fabled Passage hand. If you don't have one of your four Fabled Passage, it's like way worse, right? And like they keep printing cards, in my opinion, that care about the land drops and stuff like that, right? Not mm-hmm. just specifically landfall cards, but just cards that care about land drops in general. Um, and I think that like Fable Passage is fine right now, but I do think that especially if Omnath becomes back to the format, like we've already got Tireless Tracker is a very good mid-range card in the format and mid-range I think comes sh- back. I think the stream today shows that Omnath is nothing to worry about in Pioneer. Right, but even things like Mayhem Devil <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Sure. Uh, uh, what's his name? Corvold? Yeah. Like the When they get to go like when they get to like play Corvold, play Fabled Passage, it's like infinitely better. I just think it's a very swingy card, and it, yeah, it reminds I, me I, of I, like. I just think if the format just stays at just Fabled Passage, it's gonna be good for those types of interactions, right? But it's never gonna be like backbreaking. I'm not saying ban Fabled Passage. I'm just saying keep your eye on it. I mean, they're cheap. Pick them up now. They're like five dollars. They are they cheap really? Right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah huge. Um, I've got a take on Cemetery Protector. Yeah, because I, I do want to talk the rest of the cycle, because I do think the cycle's pretty interesting. Okay. I think the... Let's just skip the black one, because it's pretty poop, mm-hmm. actually. It's so poop. Yeah. Um, the white one, I think, is interesting. And it's kind of like 50-50 where I'm at on this one. Mm-hmm. What do you got for us on it, Chris? Well, I, I, I almost made a deck with it today. I, I don't want to spoil too, too much, but it's hard, you know, it's hard not to with it, is that I almost made a blue-white flash deck with this card and then one of my other favorite cards the uh, the four mana exploit three three that counters a spell uh-huh. um, because again the problem with that is obviously with exploit you have to sack a creature well this thing gives you you know extra tokies right um the tokens aren't that good so you kind of want to be doing something with them yeah but, but they're there right like also it's a four mana three four with flash you're gonna get some people who are attacking and not expecting it and then you can also do fun things with flash right like if you want to make a pure flash style deck you can if you want to make more like a tempo deck you can you can play this with like some delver um you can play this honestly if you really wanted to right because you've got a lot of um creature utility this could be our thalia deck you know Mm -hmm. so we can play Thalia, we can play a bunch of creatures that have utility, you know, namely this one, our counter spell, um, Brineborn, uh, you know, whatever you want to play, the uh, the thing that stops people from searching, which isn't as relevant right now, but there are, are quite a few Winota effects going on. Sure. So, you know, there's also, I think, ways to stop people's draws and stuff like that. So if you wanted a different kind of Thalia deck, you could play something along those lines. You know, I didn't flesh it out of the way and there's a reason, but I do think it has its merits even in Pioneer. So I think the problem is it's just competing with, like, Adeline right now. Sure. Um, I could definitely see this as, like, a sideboard card for the control matchup. Mm-hmm. But if you're, like, these really low-curve, like, human decks, four men is going to be a lot if you're, like, a 19-20 land deck. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think the deck that I'm talking about is more of, like, a mid-rangey flash style. Yeah, um, yeah. It's always I'm just, just talking a good like, spell to play. It's general application, Oh, right? sure. Yeah, general applications, yeah. White typically wants to be lower land counts, what you're saying, yeah. I'm guessing. And yeah, that's totally yeah. fair. Just, like, mm-hmm. Cemetery Prowler, I love a lot. It mm-hmm. being able to keep exiling cards is great. My problem is there are so many just other good three drops to compete against. Like In green, especially, right? Yeah, how, how yeah. many of these can we play? Like, it's, like... If I'm just, like, thinking, like, it's already competing against, like, Tireless Tracker, like, maybe this gets, like, a two of, again, like, a rock deck, but there's so many three drops already in these decks, like, 
the three drop slot in green is just so choked up right now. Yeah, it's it's chock full of thankfully good cards. But I mean, if you yeah. wanted to do this, I mean, right, you could like if you think I don't think this is really going to push your, your Phoenix matchup Phoenix matchup over the top. But but maybe right, like maybe hitting that card. I mean, you get it when it comes into play and attacks on the green one. Right. Yeah, so but it's, it's already competing against like graveyard trespasser that got printed last set which is <laughs> yeah to, to be fair i think what you're talking yeah the black side of the green black equation is has a lot of really good three drops that deal with with the well, graveyard but, but pretty in well, green, right pretty you true. already just have scooze at two yep. you have tireless yep. tracker at three if you want to you could play things like love struck beast and stuff like that True. There are just so many options that I just this card just competes against. No, totally fair. Totally fair. Uh, the blue one, on the other hand, so I th- it's, it's so, so close. close. I agree with you. If it had flash instead of flying, I don't yeah. need. It, I don't need it to fly. If it could flash, right? Because like what you want to do is after you get wrathed in in spirits, right? In the blue white spirits, I don't think this mm-hmm. would be good in the bant one. No. Um, but uh, in the blue white spirits. Like, you can flash this in end of turn, exile one of the spirits from your graveyard, and now you get to play another spirit every turn. A lot of them have flash anyways, so, like, you can just flash the top card of your deck into play, like, spell quellers on top of your deck. It, it yeah. just becomes very... It, it, I think it's an engine, like, for it's sure. Gonna, it's going to be a big, again, I, a, a, I think there's a lot of cards in this set that we're just going to just, like... It's going to be a great sideboard card going forward, right? If you're in the blue-white spirits deck, I think the big spirits winner in this set is definitely great Dream Shacklegeist. Mm-hmm. But this card is so close. If it if it flashed, I would be all in on this card, and friendship would be ended with Dream Shacklegeist. Mm-hmm. hundred percent with you. But as is with just not flash, because like you can't even like with rattle chains. Yeah, it doesn't really work because you you have to wait for the rattle chains to die to the wrath first. Mm-hmm. So you can't really make that happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our next wave of mythics, Chris. I think you liked Hollow Taunting. Uh, which is this one? The oh, the four mana white enchantment. Yeah. 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 I think again, this is another way. If you wanted to take some enchantments, I, I like this definitely. Um, I was talking a ton with Ricky about how I think that. Um, uh, what's the double white card? I was just talking about you earlier, Ricky. Ruined Halo. Ruined Halo. Jeez, man, what a day for me. Uh, Ruined Halo. I think a lot of the format's pretty soft to Ruined Halo right now. Uh, by a lot of the format, I particularly mean like Phoenix. Uh, you just, they're not things that are not packing that many threats. Additionally, it's just a good card. It's double white, which if you do care about devotion or activating, um, one of your like Heliod type effects, you know, it's there. So this is another double white pip effect. And I think it, and it does play well with the enchantments that we do have. Again, my favorite of which being ruined halo, um, stopping like hunt masters or Winotas from hitting you, whatever you might want to do. It's, it's not an end all be all answer, but it's a multiple answer, right? Somebody has multiple of an actual card. You can't hit creature tokens. It stops it. This is a one mana cheaper, um, sigil of the empty throne. So if you can play and somehow cantrip enchantments a bunch after this is out, uh, I, I think you can make a pretty formidable sized army and it's not unreasonable to either just stay white and power this out with a bunch of enchantments or splash in green. Cause I think in green, you get some of the enchantments that like enchant your lands that can cantrip you. I like there's at least one or two of those in pioneer. Um, and I think those are pretty interesting because obviously your big struggle is how do you keep going? But as a, um, as a finisher, I actually really like this card for enchantments is what I'm getting at. Yeah. As a finisher. Yeah, because this is the one but that like it, you got to play it early, and then it eventually, I get. I mean, like it eventually, it's the finisher, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. But like, I, I'm not. Oh, like you have to play this on like turn four, and then proceed to continue to play enchantments. 
I, I mean, like, I guess you're not wrong. It is a finisher. Right. But, like, I guess that's just sort of not how I thought of it, because I think finisher, I think, like, six mana Aetherling or, like, you know, something well, like it, that. Well, it's not the the one that comes down and makes all your enchantment six sixes, right? Like, I mean, it's our, but, but this it's is good. No, no, I, I, I'm with you, Chris, on this. Like, <laughs> right, you, you play it out, like, turn five or six, and now all you're just, like, whatever enchantments you play after that are just going to win you the game. Oh, I mean, like I said, it's it's a one mana cheaper sigil of throne. Sigil of throne works the same way. You got to play enchantments to get angels. I mean, you know, it's sigil of throne's been around for a long time. You know, mm. I mean, you can go look up enchantments decks that played it for uh, years. I mean, a decade or more of sigil of the empty throne. It's it's been around. I want to say so. Um, even more than that, I, mean, I think it's around since I was a teenager, to be honest with you, in, in one form or another. So this is just a one-mana cheaper way than that. I, I don't think it's better, because obviously you get the four fours immediately with Sigil, but it is one-mana cheaper. And like you know, if you've played a couple answers already, like two to three to four, this is a great slot. I do think that we've been missing a four-mana slot for enchantments, unless you wanted to play like your Eidolana Blossoms or like a Cast Out or something like that. But those aren't like optimal things, right? So this can come out in a good slot where we two-mana remove something, right? We just got an upgrade to baffling end in this set where when their thing goes away they don't get a 3-3 back uh, it also has uh, swords of revealing light style art on it uh, it's like a few cards below this one i want to say but anyway it so removes like something like whatever less. swords of, yeah it's something like that point is we just got an upgrade there right so we can go either that or rune Talo into like a borrowed time slash ring of oblivion type effect into this and then hopefully still have enough gas to keep going but again the, the big tr- struggle i found was either do you want to stay mono white or do you want to go green to draw some cards either way you know again it just it gives you cumulative advantage and it's it's probably your threat right mm-hmm. can we uh, talk about the sickest reanimation target now the vampire the horror whole breaker horror oh well can, before we skip past it i do want to talk about henrico okay because it's like again uh, uh, almost their vampire because sorry vampire players been a rough time for the vampire plays right there. Yeah. Instead so, of Team Edward or Team Jacob, you should have been like Team Bribe Rosewater, you know? Yeah. I, I just like if you look at this card and you look at um uh Rankle. Yeah. Just put them next to each other and try to like this card after reading both. <laughs> I, I just I'm very sorry, but like this is like literally Rankle, but like on like all the loot. Like he's just like slowed down, right? Yeah. Like he's just but like again, but- but again, I, I think this makes it an inch. Again, my point of this is trying to find something for the. I, I want to throw the vampire player some kind of bone here. There's sure. no vampire shaped bones in this set. <laughs> well, Ricky, I'm we're close. Sorry we're, we're real to close. say. But go ahead, talk about Henrika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Henrika here, right? Two black, black for one, three flying. At the beginning of combat on your turn, uh, choose one that has been chosen. Each player's facts as a creature. You draw a card and lose one life or transform Henrika Domnathy. Big thing here, obviously, um, you get each of those modes only once. And if you just choose to flip her immediately, well, then, uh, yeah, you don't get any of the other other sides. On her backside, though, she's flying Death Touch Lifelink. Uh, one black, black, each creature you control with flying, death touch, and or lifelink gets plus one, plus only turn. So I kind of like that we get to pump uh, our big vampire boar here because they're usually going to have one of those keywords uh, on them. I think the big loss, if she had haste, I'm in on this card. Like, she doesn't even have haste, which is a big deal. No, that's very true. Rankle, baby. Yeah, yeah, I get, like, yeah, no, definitely. Rankle's better, but, like, come on. We gotta, we gotta at least try... To help the vampire players out there. You get to do the entirety of the front card. Like, you get all three modes here. Mm-hmm. 
you can just have all literally those exact same modes except for transform Henrika. Yeah. That's just Rankle. Well, I mean, Rankle doesn't transform, so how exciting of a card is Rankle then, Ricky? You're right. It's not a double-faced card. It does not test well with audiences and EDH tables. Throw it out. Thank you. All right, You're now right. we can talk about your Hellbreaker Horror. This card lets you remand with every spell. Yeah, but, like, do we even need this in Pioneer? I want to reanimate it. Okay. And it can't be countered and has flash. And then every yeah, spell we cast have, bounces Have you something. read every Graveyard Exile spell in the format? I have. Put them all side by side to Hullbreaker Horror in your reanimator spells? But see, You're going to be sad when you read them again. Here's the thing. I can read every Graveyard Hate spell in the format and still be excited about trying to reanimate this card way sooner than I'm supposed to. I'll even ramp to it. I don't care. Like, you can then just, like, consider to remand. The fact that it can remand is awesome. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think I think this card's mostly interesting because it's it, it can't be countered. Um, and there's a lot of uh, mystical dispute running around. Uh, there's a lot of just, you know, nonsense in general. Like, you know, you're people that, you know, you're, you're going to catch people off guard with this. It's too big to remove a lot of different kind of ways. People play you know, Lockmire Serpent. I would say this is like replaces everyone trying to play Nezahal on their sideboard, right? Yeah, people Probably. play Nezahal and Lockmire Serpent in their sideboard. I think this card's way better. Yeah. And, and you can protect it. I, I'm also excited about this card. Um, it doesn't get flipped by Thing in the Ice, by the way, because it's a whore. <laughs> yeah. small small upside but it definitely is there right you don't have to, to worry about that as much and it obviously blocks uh okay you know you're probably not going to want to do that because probably gonna get burned off but if you got to uh if you got to untap mana you can stop their their burn uh, hopefully but it's got an eight but it's yeah. invincible true i mean i'm certainly excited for it like i i definitely think it's got its place i think i'm gonna i'm gonna pick up two of these and and play them it definitely you know it's a little harder to cast uh, and it's, you know, it certainly is no uh, no six mana artifact creature that gives us our flash thing. My magma opus uh, synergy. Yeah. Um, gear Hulk. Gear Hulk? Sorry. Torrential Gear Hulk. I thought of it. I eventually got there. Are you okay, buddy? Do you need to go get some coffee? <laughs> you you guys know what's been going on with me. It's been a, it's been a long couple weeks. I'm driving like three hours a day <laughs> and trying to do homework and, uh, and and keep up with everything going on. So it's definitely been a, a long time for me. But I know at least I know what I'm what I'm talking about. I just can't remember the names for it. So but either way, I'm also excited for Holebreaker Horror and the art on this thing looks sweet. You know, he's breaking some mm-hmm. holes. Man, yep. if if, uh, if mono black if mono green planeswalkers ever comes back, Graph Reaver is going to be a sweet card for the mono black sideboard. Mm-hmm. Very true. Sack my action two shields, Jackson. Mm-hmm. Play Graph Reaver. Can't argue with that. I just feel like I thought this card had death touch. No, I don't fully, know why. Right? I thought it had death touch, and now like I'm reading it. It's got death so touch. many swords on it. It should have death touch. I don't like this card. You don't want to touch them. That's for sure. I don't maybe because I fell asleep listening to uh, limited podcasts that don't like this card. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm just not sure about exploit destroy target planeswalker when we can just like I don't know that's that's already an ability on a common. What common? Um, it's from War of the Spark. The one one mana destroy target planeswalker you sack a creature. Yeah, but this is a, this is like a big beater though. Still, like after the fact, right. I don't think it's the worst card ever, but it doesn't excite me. That's fair. All right. What like are you, what not, are your th- it'll see play maybe even, right? Like, yeah. Like, even if I'm playing it, I'm going to be like, 
I'm going to draw it, and I'm like, no, Graf Weaver. The right. chains and whips incite you. What are your thoughts on welcoming vampire? Like, we've got this. We've got uh, what's the spirit that investigates. We've got actual mentor of the meek in this format. What do you think of welcoming vampire? Um, I like this card. I do, too. Uh, you don't have to pay mana for the draw. Yep. So I don't care that it's only once per turn if I don't have to pay mana for it. It's free, right? Mm-hmm. However, I don't know if it's, uh, it cares. So it cares about when the creature enters the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So does it check on resolution? Which means, like, if I have Rally of the Ranks in play, will it not let me draw cards? Uh... Like, if I have a 2-2 with Rally of the Ranks and I play it and it be is a 3-3 in play, I won't draw it? Well, it's not cast, right? Yeah. It won't trigger unless that thing happens. I don't think there's anything stopping it from happening. But the, the thing is, though, if you have Rally in, in play, it is just entering as a 3-3. Right. So I'm a little worried about maybe maybe this card will make me dirtle too much and not actually win the game. I think, like, in a deck where our creatures are going to become bigger due to, like, life gain triggers. Hey, guess what? Bring yeah. for later on tonight. Um, this card's insane. But I think, like, in a human's deck or, like, just a white aggro deck or in your vampire's deck, your vampires are going to get too big to draw cards very quickly. Yeah. Uh, Wingport is a trap. I like Agreed. it. Agreed. But it's not good. It's a card that excites me. This card excites me because I'm like, ooh, am I going to get to draw four cards or zero cards? I think it's going to be a card I'm willing to try out as like a one or two of the Nazorius Spirits, but uh, I'm not going to try it in Bant. Like, it's nice to give the Azorius deck a little bit of extra card advantage, right? Yeah. Right. It's so close. Maybe this is like the mono blue it's not like a mono blue deck card right we're just playing flying man tribal right, right with all right. the counter spells um i do can we move to uh katilda we can talk about katilda this card is really good and the only thing that's going to stop it from being like really good in pioneer is loris <laughs> yeah it doesn't play well with Luris, and that is going to be the reason it's going to get sort of shut down in Pioneer. But I think this card is insanely good. Uh, three mana for a star star flying lifelink protection from vampires. Power and toughness are each equal to the number of permanents you control that are both or that are spirits and or enchantments. Well, the good news is, Ricky, in your Luris deck or your spirits decks, you're not playing Luris. Right. I'm not sure if like we need a beast of burden in spirits, though. But maybe. It is not. It is definitely a card I'm going to think about in sideboards for the future. But uh, I do know a deck you think this should really be. I want to play this in auras. I want to put uh, yep. a ethereal armor and an all that glitters on this and win the game. Also, you can cast it from your graveyard for five mana. And it does the same thing, but it's an aura. Oh, I will say that reminds me of Rune. Halo, also really good against the auras decks. You just get to name Don't tell me. Don't, don't. I will suit up this cartouche token and beat you down and don't think i won't <laughs> you can you oh, can try that it was uh, that was a big errata this week they they announced a big rules change any token now has assumed a token in the name can you name so, it you can still name it right but the big thing was um the blood tokens um if you named blood token with cards it would make it so you couldn't cast like the split card blood as well like, there are really weird, like, cases oh, like that. Oh, there is flesh and blood, isn't there? Yeah. So, they've made it now that 
tokens now have like it is now it's not just a human anymore. It is a human token. Yeah, but you can't you can't name the token because the token's not an actual card. Right. Yeah, yeah but the, the point was like right. you could pithing needle blood mm-hmm. because that's an actual card. Right. And it would hit the it, blood tokens. Yes. Yeah, because they're, they're just named whatever. Yeah. If you don't know, the reason this is interesting is we have this happen before. Uh, it came up a long time ago in one of Ricky's games with like goblins or fairies is that uh, the tokens have a name and it's just the name of their creature type. So goblins tokens are just named goblin. That's their name. Uh, I don't remember why that became relevant, but it was definitely a thing. And uh, but there's they're not cards that can be named with like name a card effects, but that's the name of them because in case you do need to name them. I think it was because uh, my opponent was trying to ruin Halo Elf tokens because they're Elf Warriors from from Warwind. They're Elf Warrior tokens, right? And there is a card named Elf Warrior. Yeah, well, I don't know. If there's another thing. Um, I remember like there was something that made Land of War Elf tokens, right? The mentor. Yeah, and that was an interesting thing where it was like, well, Lana War Elf is an actual card, and they were named Lana War Elf, even though yeah. like it made tokens that were that card. So that was like an interesting thing about it. We don't need to talk about Dream Shackle Geist, right? No, it's already good. Yeah, yep, it's great. Cards, cards, great. Cards, great. You're Fan. gonna play it. Uh, I think you're gonna play it as like a two-two split with Shackle Geist because I do think Shackle Geist being able to trigger whenever um, is very good. Uh, I was, I was. A non-believer at first of Shacklegeist, but I've slowly come around. And uh, yeah, Shacklegeist has been a good replacement over Devilgast Herald, and this is just another evolution of that slot in the deck. Agreed. I, I like it because again, whatever you got attacked with, you come down and you immediately answer it and get a three-one flyer, right? So you know it doesn't have to stick around at the beginning of combat. The ability triggers, so as long as the ability gets to trigger, you know you stopped whatever shenanigans your opponent was doing. But they, you know, assuming that they attacked you with something, right? So whatever they attacked you with doesn't get to attack you again, and you've added to your threats on your side. So uh, I'm a fan. I like the tempo that it offers. Uh, Let's talk about the vampire that everyone wants to open and limited on at pre Oh my god, this card's so insane! This card is absurd. Like, look at all the rares around this card, and like this card is just bonkers like yeah sorry if you open creepy puppeteer i open blood veil purveyor creepy oh i could rant on creepy puppeteer unlimited but anyways blood veil purveyor or vile purveyor is insane it's a four mana five six flying trample vampire sorry did you say a five six flample five six flample for four mana obviously this has to like burn my house down right to be this good yeah well, okay, whenever my opponent casts a spell, they get a stupid, dumb blood token. Well, that's card advantage for our opponent, though, Ricky. I mean, It's you know. not card advantage. It's card selection, maybe, if they spend mana on it. Well, the only thing that would make this card broken is if, like, even, like, the benefit that we gave them, like, creating the blood tokens, the only way this card's really that good is if, if we get some benefit for them keeping them around, you know? Otherwise, it's just it's not that good. Yep, well, whenever it does attack, it gets plus one, plus oh, for every blood token our opponent controls. Oh, Wait a me. minute. Yep. <laughs> uh, Logic that. players, beware. <laughs> this card makes way more blood tokens than Audric ever will. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This card is literally the card that makes probably the most blood tokens in the entire set for our opponent and lets us murder them with it. Blood tokens won't do nothing in limited. Right? I hope my it, opponent's already playing a deck that's making blood tokens by the time I play this. Like blood tokens give every card in your limited deck's hand, every land essentially, as long as you can as long as you can consistently make like two to three blood tokens a game, every land in your hand is gonna have cycle one. 
which oh, is good. cool. That'll help me out a lot. <laughs> it's really cool. However, there's like no other payoff for blood ever. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Like as you see above, there's a six mana six six menace that when it deals damage, we get that many blood tokens. Uh, but then it it doesn't let us do anything with the blood tokens. I guess they were afraid of energy. I don't get it. Nobody wants these blood tokens, but somebody on the internet told me this gift of a blood token is worth $10,000. <laughs> blood tokens are NFTs. The end. Are they, are they monkeys? They're just, they're just, Wizards is convinced that we want them, but doesn't tell us what to do with them. All right. Uh, we're coming up pretty close here on 50 minutes and we still got our deck list to go over. So, uh, any last minute, uh, spoilers we want to talk about? Uh, I mean, besides shout out to flame blessed bolt, throw away your magma sprays upgrade today. We just talk about Audric. Can we just, yeah, let's talk about Audric. We'll, 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 we'll make it quick. Everybody give your quick takes on Audric blood curse. Who wants to start? <laughs> that, that's that awkward silence right there. I'll start. That was, that was my take on Audric. Three mana for a 3-3. Three, three. Oh, could you not hear me laughing because of Discord? Yeah, right. I can't hear you laughing because of Discord. Oh, I just spent the last, like, five seconds heart, like belly laughing at this card. Oh, my gosh. So Audric is a uh, red, white, and colorless for a 3-3 three, three vampire soldier. Legendary. Might be one of the best vampires in the set. <laughs> it's a three mana 3-3? Three, three? Yeah, he's got a lot of flavor text written on him, though. <laughs> Um, it's like his entire lore, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, Mark, the, the Mark Rosewater's favorite card in this set. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mark Rosewater knew this card was bad. Ba- based told, on the blog talk, I believe so, yes. And told everybody that would listen in R&D that there's no way they can print this card. It's not good, and everyone will laugh at you. And then they printed it, and everybody hated it. And they all laughed at him. And now Mark Rosewater is like, oh, no, let me tell you, this is the best card. I will uh, take your feedback and tell R&D about it. Yeah. Which I love how Petty Rosewater gets on his Twitter account sometimes. Like every now and then if you pay attention, he like definitely gloats when things that he really pushed for are like a smash hit. And then like has all the snark in the world where things like Audric come out and he's just like, Oh yeah, clearly he didn't want this card to be to exist. Right. I don't think anybody asked for this. Can you believe they hyped this card so much? It got a it got a blurb in the the pre-release thing, right? Yeah. It's like, "Oh, a famous character is going to come back, but as a vampire." And then we got the spoiler of Hero's Downfall showing that Audric had fallen to uh vampirism. to vampirism, right? And everybody's like, "Oh, man." That's going to be the good vampire. Meanwhile, vampire players out here looking, which one's the good vampire? <laughs> it's got to be Audric. He's going to save us. Vampire players rejoice. Here's Audric. He's vanilla. 3-3 three, three for 3. Vampire players rejoice. Caius burst through the window and shot Audric in the face. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why? Is hey, you know what? The best thing about Audric is... They didn't jam on a thirteenth keyword to make this another stupid thirteen sub. I think they should have. They should have. They should have put Bushido Ward two or left Skulk on here. They should have put remember Bushido, Skulk Bushido on here. He wants to count Bushido so that way we could talk about Kamigawa having Bushido again. Man, I hope the Bushido two meme is still alive. 
And then he would have had 13 abilities. Or, like, give him an... If you're not going to give him any abilities, give him, like, something to do with blood tokens, please. Wizards, I have all these blood tokens. Hey, that cool four-mana vampire that gets bigger with all the blood tokens? Why doesn't Odric have that ability? Oh, my God. <sighs> Anyways. All right. We're ready to talk about some sick deck lists that we made. Let's talk about some oh, sick I, deck lists. I got one card I want to mention pretty quickly. Yeah, what you got? Glorious Sunrise. Uh, the green one with a soup of text on it? Yeah, Glorious Sunrise, uh, three colorless double green for an enchantment. At the beginning of combat, do one of these things. Your creatures get plus one, plus one in game trample. Uh, target land gains tap to add triple green until the end of turn. Draw a card if you control a creature with three or greater, or you gain three life. Um, I think this is mostly interesting because it um, acts as a pseudo um, lotus, right? Gilded lotus, you know, whatever lotus, whatever you want to do. Um, it's a double green pip for your Nick, though, so I think you would like ramp into this on one turn and then pretty quickly ramp into like an Ugin, or uh, it gives you a lot of mana really quickly, which I know green does already, but this is just another way to do it that I think is interesting, and it gives you some alternatives, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you want to play it in some kind of creature style or, you know, you have some creatures you want to play in general that are bigger, you can start drawing cards with it. You can gain life if you're in trouble that way, if you stabilize the board somehow, but just as a ramp spell, I think it's actually pretty interesting with nick though so that's all i wanted to bring up it could also give our lotus field tap six yeah sure sure sure, sure. i mean like i said i think green's like the uh, one of the last places nick can survive and i just think this is an interesting combo with nick because it, it does give us a lot of mana it's double green pips and then like you know again makes us land and like you can play gilbert's load right gilbert's load of taps to add add triple of a color so here i guess the net effect is two because it makes a land tap for triple but you know you, you get the idea you wouldn't want to play Nyx Lotus? Sure. The the artifact that taps for your devotion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Could do something like that. He was talking about Gilded Lotus. Yeah, I was Gilded talking about, Lotus. but I think Ricky was mentioning Gilded uh, Nyx yeah, Lotus, yeah. and I think that, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you said Guildless Lotus? Oh, Did I? Well, yeah. that too. I, I heard Gilded Lotus. I, I knew I knew where Chris was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I definitely... Isn't that an M13 card? Isn't that not even in the format? Oh. I thought it was. I thought it's been printed. Uh, either way, it's it's similar to it, right? Let's go to decklist, and I'll find out. All right, we'll go to decklist. It's in Dominaria. Yeah, oh, there it we is go. in Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we yeah. Go. All right. Uh, real quick though, Ricky, our top five should be out by like this weekend, I think. Should be. All right. Cool. So look out for that. With the you'll know you'll know it when you see it. Yep, on Talarian. So uh, tell us how right or wrong we were again. And uh, make sure you leave engagement and tell the professor you love us. There's no way. Oh, please wrong. do. Please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So who wants to go first to their first deck list? I will go okay, first. Okay, what you got, Ricky? All right. I got the, the serious deck first. We got Mono Blue Luris. Okay. All right. This is a weird take on Mono Blue. Chris's favorite deck, right? Yeah. Um, but I also found it like, I mean... Uh, none of our creatures are bigger than two drops anyways. Mm-hmm. So we could just play Luris for free if we just play a couple of Hallowed Fountains and Hengate Pathways to just be able to cast them when we want to. I know that normally this is all islands because it's a budget deck, but uh, it's a little not budget because of that. But we got Ascended Spirit, of course, the classic, right? Upgrading one drop. Uh, Siren Storm Tamer and Spectral Adversary, um, I think are all pretty standard for this kind of deck now. But then we're playing four Cobbled Lancer, which is a one-mana 3-3 zombie horse. Uh, as an additional cost to cast, we have to exile a creature from our graveyard. 
And then for four mana, we can exile Cobbled Lancer from our graveyard to draw a card. Uh, so it is a big beater for way cheap. We will have creatures die. I mean, Siren Storm Tamer sacks itself. People are going to aim their removal spells at our creatures. So I think that this is not unreasonable to get out and suit up to get going. Uh, I see Cobbled Lancer. Mana. I just think of 100 Gex for Chris. <laughs> oh, and then we're also this is the smartest horse right here. Four Storm Chaser Drake. Uh, two mana for a 2-1 flyer. When it becomes the target of a spell we control, we draw a card. So how are we targeting it, Ricky? Well, we've got four Dive Down and four You See a Guard Approach. Okay, so we got some protection. we got some protection. I think there might be a better card than You See a Guard Approach. I, know, like, I like You See a Guard Approach better mm-hmm. than just Dive Down right now. I mean, we get to you know, potentially tap down a big threat, right? Like, oh no, opponent flipped their thing in the ice. Too bad it's tapped down. Yep. Right, right. Um, We get four Curious Obsession, which uh, helps grow our creature, as well as draw more cards. Four Cartouche of Knowledge, uh, which is another enchantment, gives plus plus one in flying to our horse. Getting the flying is important. It also, when it comes into play, we draw a card. Uh, Two Ghostly Wings. Now this is a deep, deep cut. But it's two mana, Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying, and we can discard a card to return the Enchanted Creature to our own, to our hand. This lets us fill our yard with creatures we don't need anymore. We can even drop, like, a Cobbled Lancer and maybe draw a card if we need to. Uh-huh. Um, it also allows us to dodge a removal spell. Um, and then four, Ordeal of Thassa. Uh, when, it's a two-mana enchantment. Whenever Enchanted Creature attacks, you get a 1-1 counter on it. Then if there are three or more one counters on it, you sacrifice Ordeal of Thassa and draw two cards. Oh, nice. Uh, so we've got other ways to put, you know, counters on our cards. Right. Oh, or do we? No. We don't. But, you know. Okay. Um, all they get plus one, plus one. They don't put, but yeah, put one counters. Right, right. Stuff. Maybe I need to put a little bit more interaction in this deck than just non-interaction. But essentially, we should just be able to build a giant unblockable beater that gives us so much value that our opponent is just going to die. That's the thought here. Um, we do get access to white cards in the sideboard. I did think about putting all that glitters as like a two of in this deck because it could just I see, get really big. What about big. like Staggering Insight? We could play Staggering Insight. That's a good one. I didn't think about that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Staggering Insight, probably better than Ordeal of Thassa. But. Hey, Ordeal of Thassa does work on our Spectral Obisary. That gets pulled some Muslim counters. Right. But the idea oh, with Ordeal combo. of Thassa is that we could probably just... Uh, Use the one one counters and just get big. That's what I was more interested in. Was just ascended like, spirit gets one one counters. Does it? Yeah, yeah at the end less, of it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, this is sort of like, I think the cobbled lancer is good. The deck, and I'm pretty sure storm chaser drake is also good. The deck. Yeah, I definitely like storm chaser drake. I think it's be better in a shell like this or like blue white auras. I saw people talking about like blitz shells, and my thing with that is right. It's not a Kiln Fiend type creature where you want you want your Blitz creatures to grow alongside your spells, like in parallel, so that way they're doing half it's doing half the work for you, right? Like it doesn't right. matter that each card is each of your three instant each of your three Titan strengths are drawing you a card with your Storm Chaser Drake if opponent isn't dead and you're out of mana. Right. I sort of like it like this. I mean we get to draw a card when we protect it, right? Like they try to yeah, kill for it, sure. you dive down and yeah. then it, it lives. I, I think this is huge because you you found the right combo, right? Where it's like you really want to give your opponent a reason to uh, kill the storm chaser, storm chaser Drake, and right now they're probably going to try and race it, you know, because they probably know something's up. But 
in general. How are going to race with all these enchantments? Yeah, very true. I mean, in, in general, now that we've got the enchantments with it, um, when we put the enchantment on there, it gives them a reason to want to target it, and then we're going to protect it, right? They can't just ignore it like they might normally, knowing that you've got some kind of counter magic or or dive down effect up, right? It's a, it's a known card. So mm. given that that's the case, enchanting it up is the right combination, I think, between, hey, we're going to protect it and, you know, force our opponent to answer it and then get our, get our cake and eat it too when we start putting enchantments on it to draw cards. Right, and we could probably actually, you know, Maybe this is sort of, we could get away from the uh, mono blue sort of build of this and go more Azorius Auras with it. But I, I just really wanted to play the Cobbled Lancer, and Cobbled Lancer doesn't go well in Azorius Auras. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how good Cobbled Lancer actually ends up being. It's a 3-3 three, three for 1. Yeah, but like, Ruination Scob was a, what, a 5-3 three for 3? But you had to exile 3 creatures. This one I mean, only yeah. needs 1. Yeah, this is definitely better than Ruination Scob. Right, but you could cast Ruination Scout from your graveyard. This guy, you can also exile the draw card, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I don't I think this this deck could be real. This is a fun deck. Who wants to go next, though? I'll go next. Sure. Let's talk about Pioneer Sisters, some Slesnia Sisters here. Uh, so what we got here is we have four Lunark Veteran, our one-mana Soul Sister here, our first one-mana Soul Sister from Pioneer, actually. Although I guess if you want to talk like a Johnny's Welcome... Uh, we also have a Johnny's Pride Mate. Whenever you gain life, put a one counter on Johnny's Pride Mate. Conclave Mentor, if one or more counters will be placed on a creature, that many plus one are put on that creature instead. When it dies, you gain life equal to its power. Daxos, Blessed by the Sun, another uh, two mana Soul Sister effect here. Lone Rider, a one one for two with First Strike Lifelink. We have your end step. If you gain three or more life this turn, transform Lone Rider on the back that's a 4-4 four, four with first strike lifelink still. Like once this thing flips, you know, look out where I'm sorry about you, mono white or sorry, mono red. Uh, then we have Pros- Fork Prosperous Innkeeper. Uh, this is kind of a number I was messing around with. I, I trying to find the right balance of Soul Sister to Creature here was kind of the, the problem with this deck. Uh, but I do think Prosperous Innkeeper giving us a treasure is a really good trade-off if they just kill it right away, right? Uh, we're playing three Trellisara Moon Dancer, our Johnny's Primate here, but we get to scry one. Four new from the set Voice of the Blessed well, for White White. We get a 2-2 two, two, Johnny's Pride Mate here, but as long as it has four more woman counters on it, it has Flying of Vigilance. As long as it has ten or more woman counters on it, it has Indestructible. We're playing two Helia of the Sun Crown, two Skyclave Apparition, three... Like we talked about earlier, Welcoming Vampire, because in this deck, all our creatures are going to enter at two power and then just get bigger from there. So we don't have to worry about them entering any larger than they already naturally are. And then four Hardened Scales, our lands are four Branch Loft Pathway, three Forest, two Overgrown Farmland, four Plains, four Sun Petal Grove, four Temple Garden. Man, I think this looks awesome. I love it, yeah. The only thing I could think is that you want Ozolith. Yeah, I definitely forgot about Ozolith, but also like... What am I cutting for Ozolith? Probably t- the Teleshara Moon Dancer. No, I like the Scry a lot, and I think like we st- if we're cutting anything, it's gonna be like one of the oh, Pride the Mates. Pride Mate, yeah, for yeah. sure, Pride Mate. Um, that and like the only other thing I can think of is like Dramokus Command is a card that, uh, that this deck wants. Yeah, we're probably playing it in the sideboard. Yeah. Other than that, if you want to beat, uh, if you want to beat Burn, yeah, uh, current champion Burn players. Uh, also, this deck's this. a pretty fun. Like, it's only forty ticks on Mitgo, so it's reasonably budget. 
Um, you know, unfortunately, the tabletop still like two hundred dollars on it. Uh, but I think this deck could be a lot of fun. And, like it gets cheaper if you want to cut things like Heliod, like Sun, like Harden skills. Right? This is definitely you could get this down to, like a hundred dollars right. easily. So I think I think it's a reasonable expectation to have some of these cards. Like mm-hmm. you know, we're hoping that you have the 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 lands that you need. Um, and, and you know, again, removing the mana base takes off a solid third of this. I, I'm in to keep hardened skills. I like me some hardened skills. I'm down to cut Heliod. I do think Heliod's good. I you know, in a perfect world, I think we'd have it, but it is you know, forty bucks of of things. So you know, I think you could pretty reasonably budget this deck up and include like some Dramoka's command or. Uh, you know, Ozolith, whatever you might want to do, because you typically don't want four Ozolith out there. You typically want two to no, three. No, I would only, I'd only play one, maybe two Ozolith. Yeah, sounds good. I think a two is, is a fine replacement, and and you'd have a pretty budget deck. Damn, I don't think not... Ozolith is uh, the problem. Is I don't think Ozolith is budget right now. <laughs> is it not really? No, oh, those are like no. twenty five, twenty six a piece right now. Ooh, yeah, just kidding, just kidding. Let's go without our Ozolith. Cut our Heliods. Play. Uh, you know, some random thing that I'm sure we we've mentioned before in our in our, uh, in our decks. How many of these are humans? Uh, not all of them, but a not enough. Not enough. Oh, never mind. I thought so. I thought actually Trellisara was a, a human. It's an elf cleric, so we're definitely we're definitely not humans. But uh, yeah, yeah. In in general, I I love this deck. I think it's uh, you know exactly the kind of deck that you know we were trying to build at the beginning of Pioneer, and that I love. And you know, I don't know that you can have too many you know a Johnny Primate effects, right? That card yeah. gets real big, real fast. And I like another know. another cut here, right? If you don't want to play Skyclave, you could play like Brutal Cathar. Like there yeah. there are enough cuts you can make to get this card this deck like under hundred bucks. No, for sure. I, I'm definitely with you. I think there's, you know, I definitely would like to play a couple more ways to to interact. And I think, you know, I love me some Lone Rider. Right? Maybe that and Prosperous Innkeeper might be one of the cards on the chopping block. But uh, two mana, four, four, first strike lifelink is is pretty sick. And um, I think against Vigilance on the backside, Lone Rider does. I've actually played it before. Uh, against yeah. Trample on the backside. That's what it gains. So, yeah, big fan of that card. I think it's a surprising, surprisingly strong one. And, you know really really like this kind of take on the scales and reasonably budget friendly mm-hmm. all right chris what you got um what do you guys want to see uh first they're both um you know somewhat decks that exist but uh a new take on them i guess uh let's go with the the boros deck Go with the Boros deck. Sounds good. So any of you uh that know me know that I've been since uh Clever Lumancer has been uh, spoiled i was pretty interested in looking at some of the feather style decks because i love me anything that does a kiln fiend style pump whenever we cast spells uh whenever i played it in limited it's some of the decks that i 7-0 with pretty frequently it's just where i feel most at home anytime i cast a spell my creature's getting not just plus one plus one from prowess but anything more than that i'm pretty happy with so um this is a you know red white feather deck that doesn't feature feather uh, so i've called it kind of red white blitz if you will and so we're going to start off with loris as our companion for clever lumancer for favorite hoplite for monastery swift spear for soul scar mage and for leon and light scribe that is a creature package that i've been about uh, since the last set since we saw strixhaven come out in leon and light scribe and clever lumancer that's not what's changed i think what's changed that made me really want to pick this deck back up again are the spells because we pick up ancestral anger which is another Defiant Strike type effect. Ancestral Anger costs one red, and target creature gains Trample and gets plus X plus O, where X is one plus the number of cards named Ancestral Anger in your graveyard. Draw a card. So this is accumulated knowledge for red. <laughs> we this card obviously is very cool. I didn't know this card existed. 
yeah, isn't this card nifty? So yeah. this is a, a redundant threat that draw a card is just the icing on the cake. Like props to Watsy on this one because if this just had the first set of that, it'd be you know fun. But there's no chance we play it. But the fact that it cantrips. We're definitely playing this card. We're going to play it a long Defiant Strike, which obviously gives our creature plus one, plus O, uh, and draws us a card. But this red one also gives us Trample, and it gives us a minimum of plus one, plus O. The downside is it's a sorcery, right? But a lot of this kind of stuff, we're looking to play one or two cards to pump up our stuff anywhere. We don't particularly care, and we're looking to protect it with the next card I'm going to mention, Four of God's Willing. This is just a classic card. This comes in clutch. This is kind of what wins you the game. Your God's Willing gives us protection from a color, and we scry one. We're going to play four of a card from the last uh, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah set in Homestead Courage. Homestead Courage puts a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control, and it gains Vigilance only in a turn, and it flashbacks for a single white. So the huge thing about this I love is that although it doesn't give us any card advantage or card selection via scries or draws or like that, it's two spells for the for the price of one, right? Or really for the price of two, I guess. But you get to cast it twice. So this is two targets on... Uh, you know, favorite hoplite, which is a huge one, right? The double spell aspect for one card is huge for all of our creatures that obviously get bigger with spells. So I think this card definitely makes the cut. Uh, as soon as I saw it, it made me think of this deck. And then when I saw Ancestral Anger, I was like, oh my gosh, it's there. Um, that gives us a premium on an obviously Reckless Rage. I think Reckless Rage is huge right now because it kills Thing in the Ice which is, I think, obviously something that we're all we're all facing down a ton of right now. And then we're going to finish it off with two Titan Strength. That two Titan Strength could probably be like play with fire. You you tune those last couple slots to whatever deck it is that you know, you're worried about facing and you think you can handle in the main deck. Either it's more spells, burn to the face, a Boros Charm, even if you really wanted to for those last couple spell slots. That's all um, I'm really looking for. And then for land base, we get to play some Den of the Bugbear, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, we definitely do not mind having having Den of the Bugbear come into play uh, untapped on turn one. Otherwise, a bunch of our red-white lands, Inspiring Vantage, some Mountains, Needle Verge Pathway, Sacred Foundry, and a couple planes uh, to give us 19 lands total in our deck. So that's my red-white spells deck. Very cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, good find on Ancestral Anger. I think the fact that it's always going to give at least plus one, plus oh for the first one is pretty big there. Uh, if you hit all of them, obviously it's, it's going to give plus five, plus oh, uh, <laughs> right, which is right. kind of funny. Um, Homestead Courage. I don't even remember this card like in spoiler season. This kind of went on the radar for me. Also, I want to imagine that little girl in the background, the pitchfork in Homestead Courage is the same girl in Ancestral Anger. Yeah, she just she just grew up all big and strong. Yeah, yeah. And then Ancestral Anger in the running for very good flavor text of the set. Yeah, totally, uh, totally, totally fair. Yeah, Homestead Courage, like I said, from from the last set, but it been a powerful card in Limited if you've been drafting. And like I said, just the two spells for one is exactly what this kind of deck wants to do. And it gives you a plus one, plus one counter. So like that permanent effect, that's why this card, I think, is so overlooked as far as what it contributes to this deck. And I think this deck, you know, it's always been like tier 2.5 fringe. I think we're solid tier two now. I, that doesn't sound like a huge upgrade, but I do think it makes a difference. I think you use that extra oomph if you're looking for a burn adjacent deck you know like well, so you still, like that kill homestead courage thing. still flashes back for a single white yeah oh my god that's what i'm telling you man the white yeah it's just it's it's a white to cast it's a white flashback All any right. cheap flashback cards really make this deck uh fly it's what we played you know i played this deck in modern you used to be able to play the the step links yeah and the play to geopede for those uh-huh. who remember that, and that was landfall triggers, right? But the point was, stuff like that was really fun to do because it was like, oh, I'll make them uh, little creatures real big. And here's an easy way to do it. And and obviously, you know, those decks loved uh, fetch lands. This deck loves cheap flashback cards. So, 
my start Eric, off for our interest in this. What's one. your what's your second deck here? Me or Chris? Yep. All right. Do you, want, developed... do you want to save your deck list for last? Yeah, I'm going to save for last. I, I've got right. the Magnum Opus here. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go next then. Thank you. Uh, pretty pretty much guess what this is going to be. This is Leslie Humans. Uh, there is a world where I think we could play this Bant. But I figured we'd start this nice and simple and easy and start with Selesnia. So we're going to start with two Dauntless Bodyguard, four Thraven Inspector, two Catilda Dawnheart Prime, three Sungold Sentinel, four Thalia's Lieutenant, three Thalia herself, Guardian of Thraven, two Adeline Resplendent Cathar, four Benalish Marshal, two Brutal Cathar, and four Action 2 Shields Jackson.0, mm-hmm. Hamlet Vanguard. And three of the new uncommon resistance squad, and four collected company. Our mana base is four branch loft pathway, three forest, four overgrown farmland, six plains, two sub pebble grove, four temple garden. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, obviously with Coco, we wanted to play, want to up that Benalish Marshall count, play the full four Thalia's lieutenant. Uh, Katilda, if we hit her, will help us add an extra anthem effect. Also would help us get around Thalia herself. We play one on turn two, but I think there's a lot of power here that we can power out on turn three and four. And if we have to company on four, that's not a big deal. Plus, I think more often than not, our opponents are just going to try to kill our Thalia. So we get to slow them down when we set up for our big Cocos, which is really nice. If you want to take this Bant, I think the couple cuts I would do here is I would replace Resistance Squad with like Rogue Refiner, uh, which lets us to always draw a card where we don't have to have a, another human with it. And which is going to be fine because we're hopefully hitting two off Coco anyway. And then I think we could play like Reflector Mages over Brutal Cathar. Uh, the other option here, and I I, list, I just threw Brutal Cathar in here as opposed to Skyclave. Skyclave, I think, is the better card overall. But with Brutal Cathar, right, it, it's the on tribe option here. And uh, it's just such a big threat with First Strike if it stay, if it flips. And, uh, you know, if you get a couple count, if you get a counter on it or two with Thalia's Lieutenant before it flips, it's going to be even bigger. So yeah, that's kind of my first take on Slizzy Humans. Like I said, I still think there's a bad version. Uh, but yeah, Hamlet Vanguard on three is just going to be such a house. I think Catilda Dawnheart Prime is going to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That card's sweet. Um, I, I built a commander deck and uh, that card is just insane. You just shove it and then all your dudes tap for mana and then mm-hmm. you're putting counters on everything. And God, if you have Vigilance creatures, you know. Yeah. Like Adeline, is somebody else's vigilance? No, no. I thought that Hamlet. No. I thought Hamlet got no. He has, he has he has Ward two, which is better. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, this deck seems awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Cadilda. Also, I think that you know you can come up the ground, um, which you know although there are a lot of flying threats out there, uh, you know we know Thalia is going to come in and mix things up a little bit and and definitely be taxing on some of your you know more spell reliant decks. So this is one you know where Cadilda is going to be the mirror breaker. Right. Somebody wants to play like, you know, uh, black, you know, like the rock style decks, right, which are going to eat up graveyards and stuff like that. Here's where you can muck up the ground to make it tougher for them to attack. And then your your army's just going to eventually overwhelm them. I want to see another at least one copy of Brutal Cathar. I think, you know, that card's not legendary. It is absolutely insane. I love it. But at the same time, we do have a lot of threes. But, you know, our threes play well with our Cocos for sure. So uh, I love your card choices here. Uh, a lot of them are sweet. They include a lot of new cards, which does make them more budget friendly. And yeah, your big cost here is Coco. So if you don't want to go Coco, probably just like Audible to what, like Blue White, play something like that. 
No, I think you could still just play green white. You just don't play Coco in it, right? Like mm-hmm. you essentially just get to play the same deck without Coco. You could play things like Rally the Ranks and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I would say you could play Ranger class, but that's the same. Co- your place at Ranger class is going to run you about the same cost as a place of Coco right now. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty pretty insane. So you, could, play, you, you could, could you could play cards like Militia Bugler yeah. or um, what's the uncommon human handwear whatever that cares when it flips day and night. Somewhere like Battlesmith or something like that. Battlesmith. Yeah, you can play like that cards too. You got options to play if you don't want to play Coco. You got options. You got options. I love it. I love it. All right, Chris, what's your second deck since Ricky wants to go last? All right, my my second deck is uh, good old faithful blue green flash. Uh, the big thing on this card that I that I liked was two cards that really made me want to do something with this. I do think that overall I'm not super happy with this set, but I do think it gave me a couple fun cards to brew around. So the cards I'm talking about, we've already talked about, of course, Hullbreaker Horror and Overcharged Amalgam. So our blue-green flash deck is going to start out with four Brineborn Cutthroat. That's the two-mana 2-1 that's got flash. Whenever we cast a spell during our opponent's turn, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Uh, Three Brazen Borrowers, another sick disruption spell that comes down as a flying threat. Two Frilled Mystic, because we're going to play some more Frilled Mystic in a second here. Four, the one-man wolf pack themselves, Night Pack Ambusher. Uh, and then four of the new card, Overcharged Amalgam. That's the double colorless, double blue for a 3-3 Flash Flyer. It exploits, so when it comes into play, we do have to set creature. But when we do, we can counter a spell, an activated ability, or a triggered ability. And I believe this is one of the few things that gets... Um, does this get uh, Shark Typhoon Cycle or no? Um, countering a, countering a, a triggered ability? Well, I thought it counters uh, an active. Yeah, it counters an activated or triggered ability, and I thought cycling was an activated ability, but yes, I'm not sure. but it, it is. But the thing is, they get the token off of a of a trigger from cycling it. So yeah, you could technically counter the shark, but let's look at the draw a card. Oh, interesting. Mm, or you can counter is... the draw a card and let's look at a shark. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Either way, still still a good card. We're just playing it as extra filled mystics that are heavier beaters, right? We want the three through with evasion more than we do the three two. So we're gonna plan on uh, on sacking either tokens from Night Pack Ambusher or filled mystics that we're not excited about anymore. Also, we are gonna play our own Shark Typhoon as some action there to get some tokens that you know we play it early to do some cycling. We don't mind sacking them off to our you know overcharged amalgams to counter a spell. And then later they're obviously going to be huge. Our spell suite's going to include four of the new-ish card from Strict Saven that Ruckman uh, suggested to me that I'm, I really like Decisive Denial. Uh, that's one where we get to fight a creature. So you know a creature we control fights a creature they control or we counter a non-creature spell unless it's controller pays three. You know, you want to want to hit your treasure cruises, your dig through times, things like that. Um, Essence capture, because this is a really creature heavy format with your Winotas uh, and your whatnots running around. So Essence capture, double blue, target a creature spell, counter it, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature we control. And then of course, four growth spiral and two also from Strixhaven Eureka moment. We really want to hit our land drops. We do want to refill a little bit. So, uh, it's just a double gross spiral. Two colorless, blue, green, instant, draw two cards, put a land card from our hand onto the battlefield. And then 24 lands here. Again, hitting our land drops are really important. But this is the exact kind of home that Hullbreaker Horror wants to be in. You know, this is probably a true finisher if there ever was one, to Ricky's point from earlier. And, you know, we can cast it pretty easily given that we're going to be ramping pretty consistently with gross spiral and Eureka moment. So my little um, update on blue-green flash. All in on Hullbreaker. Hullbreaker. Horror. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Overcharged Amalgam is also a card that I just want to play. Right. Overcharged Amalgam also uh, passes the thing in the ice check. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're playing quite a few, quite a few horrors. Good catch there, because I didn't even notice that until you mentioned it. So, uh, but yeah, I got some help from the guys on this before, and I was like, man, these are the new cards I want to play. And and I think there's, you know, a couple options you could tweak. This is by no means a final deck list. We definitely built this kind of around the uh, amalgam horror night pack, in, night pack ambusher initial idea. And the spells, I think, are really out there. The spells, I think the only cards I really do want to play for sure are the Gross Spiral. And I do want to play a couple of Eureka Moments just to make sure we can get the Holebreaker Horror. Other than that, you know, if you don't want to play Shark Typhoon or you want to play a different counterspell package based on what's in your metagame, that's going to be important. If your metagame's all Winota and Rock decks and creature-based decks, you're going to want to go more Essence Captures. You know, otherwise you can squeak a couple of the gates in there. If there's a Planeswalker fan running around playing a lot of Planeswalkers, whatever your metagame is, you can tune those spell packages to to whatever your favorite thing is and get to play our, our favorite one-man wolf pack. Very cool. All right, Ricky, what's your magma opus here? All right, I got Audric Soup. What's Audric Soup? Uh, well, Whatever uh, it is, I don't want it. Is it, is it <laughs> it's got to be very flavorful because there's a lot of flavor text on that card. So right, I, think, right. I think my doctor told me I had that once, but I got a shot <laughs> and it's all better now. Uh, so Audric, when he comes to play, we get a blood token for every ability word among our creatures. The ability words being uh, flying, first strike, double strike, death touch, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, trample, vigilance, among all the creatures we control. So... Let me start you off with Stone Coil Serpent. That's um, got a lot of those things. It has Reach and Trample. Oh, so that's two. All right, and that's Reach. That's a hard one. Uh, I can't even read that word normally. Uh, Does Odric not Bomac care about protection? Courier. Huh? Does Odric not care about protection? No, he cares about Hexproof. Uh, going to Raw, I see. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, Bomac Courier uh, has Haste and is an artifact, and the artifact is going to be important, I promise. Then we have four Legion Loyalists. This card is a house. It has haste for one mana, but if we attack with three creatures, he gives first strike and trample to all of our creatures until the end of the turn. So in main phase two, we can cast Audric and get more abilities and for more blood tokens, of course. Um, then we have Narnum Cobra, which is a what? two mana artifact snake from, from Kaladesh. Okay. Uh, actually, I think it's from Aether Revolt um, yeah. Limited. Uh, and for one green, it gains death touch until end of turn. Well, this is the second best snake in our deck. Right, exactly. Uh, and we do have ways to get green with uh, some of the pathway lands in our mana base here. Um, then we have uh, four Sky Terror, which is a two mana, two, two flying menace dinosaur from Ixalan. Ixalan limited all star, I just want to point yeah. out. Yeah. Then the real juice shows up here with four Swift Blade Vindicator who is a two-mana 1-1 one, one with double strike, vigilance, and trample. So we got the goods, and we <laughs> for Audric. Uh, so we're going to make some blood tokens. Can we, we, hit, blood tokens can we hit every ability with Audric? No, we can't hit, um, we don't we can't have hex hit hexproof, proof. and we can't hit indestructible. Aww. Uh, if we played selfless spirit, we could hit indestructible in a very stupid way. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) i want want a second card for an extra blood token i'll also i thought about playing the knight that has hexproof from black but i don't think that counts as hexproof which is super weird um but maybe it does Oh, interesting i don't know yeah anyways we're also playing four path of metal 
which is a card from Ixlan for red and white. It's which, a legendary Which is a card. Just stop yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each creature that doesn't have first strike, double strike, vigilance, or haste. All of our creatures have one of these, except for Narnum Cobra. Unfortunately, Narnum Cobra will die to Path of Metal. Stone Quail Serpent does not have these abilities, but it's protection from multicolor, so it can't die to the Path of Metal. Anyways, whenever we attack with at least two creatures that have First Strike, Double Strike, Vigilance, and or Haste, we get to flip it. On the backside is a land that lets us just dome our opponents for two every turn <laughs> or destroy random attacking creatures. Anyways, you gotta play it. Uh, but then we actually are going to try to win the game with all that glitters because we're going to make so many blood artifact tokens that our all that glitters should be huge or gear per aether grid to grind our opponent out with uh, tapping this, blood tokens. With all this blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is this is the best thing I could ever think to do with Audric. Uh, if he comes into play and makes us like six blood tokens, like that's insane. Um, all that glitters with six blood tokens on a Swiftblade Vindicator should win you the game. Are we playing any way to protect this combo? No, that would be dumb and not the point of this deck. Uh, I would build this in paper and take it to FNM, but Legion loyalists are, are randomly like $8 each and $27 and 80 cents is the exact price point where I'm out on playing this deck. Also, also I think for also- the memes, also, thanks to Modern Inspiring Vantage and Sacred Foundry are four hundred are hundred dollars for the playset for both of them. Combined. Really? Nice. Uh, Sacred Foundry is twenty dollars a piece right now. Nice. I've got those. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I would definitely suggest playing this once at FNM if you have these cards around because it would be really funny. Opponent, I feel woozy. I got all these blood tokens. I got all this blood tokens. If Wizards of the Coast isn't going to tell me what to do with these blood tokens. I'm going to figure it out myself, and nobody wants that. This Why deck is amazing. Why do I feel amazing. like you just like watched a bunch of Scott the Waz before you made this deck list? I don't know. I mean, that's probably never wrong. But This feels like such a Scott the Waz deck list. Wow. It is... I just needed... I just needed Audric to do something. <sighs> Ricky, thank you for this, because now I feel like we have to do it on stream at some point, and I'll hate <laughs> my life. <laughs> I'll, I'll join you for that stream. All right, we'll, we'll play today. That'll be fun. I can't wait. Well, Ricky, Anyways, I think you certainly have you've outdone yourself this time. That's how we end a. That's how we end an episode right here. Yeah, Audric you soup. You're welcome back in from the the alley again. Yeah. All right. Well, we aren't done with this episode because we got some winners to select. Let's select some winners randomly and fairly with a randomly method and fairly. That we are not. I will. Enough. I will share my screen here. We are. We are going to re-roll on doubles. So. Uh, if you win a prize, you're not eligible uh, to win another prize. So we are going to try to spread the prizes out here. So let me let me screen share with you the big wheel so you can see the big wheel spin. Wheel, wheel, wheel. wheel, uh, wheel. The prizes are, so Ricky donated a copy of WCW NWO Revenge that I will sign and send out for the N64. Included in this, though, I've got a stack of some um, extra cards from Patreon mailings that I have around that I've signed. So I will include those with the copy of WCW NWO Revenge. Uh, this will be our third place prize. Our second place prize is going to be the one of the prototype Crew 3 uh, snowboard playmats uh, that I that all three of us are going to sign. Ricky will be... That one's going to take a little while to mail out because Ricky's going to meet up with Chris and he's going to sign it there and then Chris is going to mail it out. Um, 
the the N64 cart with the cards in the box should be out within the next should be mailed out within like the next week or so, and then uh, the the mat should be out by the end of the month. Uh, but we'll get those in the mail as soon as possible. And then, of course, our grand prize is going to be a set booster box of the Winner's Choice Race Standard Legal set. And you know what? Crimson Vow is coming out. If you want to, you can wait the week or so, and I'll get you a, a, a box of Crimson Vow if you would like that. Gentlemen, are you ready to spin the wheel? Yeah, how much did we wheel. end up raising wheel. in total? Uh, we hit our goal of $500. Nice. Which means, so we already did the wrestling, obviously. Um, at $400, we added the playmat to the, the pile there and the WCW cart. And then, at, because we hit $300, at some point soon, we are going to watch and do the commentary for Cats 2019. Um, I have to buy a copy of the DVD and a USB DVD player uh, because I'm not going to make Chris and Ricky pay for the movie. Uh, and this also helps us sync the the watch better. better. I was just going to rent it on Amazon Prime, but we found out Daddy Bezos doesn't let you stream Amazon Prime on Discord. Aww. So uh, we will have to coordinate that. So that I don't know quite when we're going to find the time to record that, but that Aww, will be out. Bummer. That will be out at the end of by the end of the year, though. So hopefully next week or so, uh, we'll find some time to do that. Maybe we're like the holidays or something like that. But we will find the time that, that will be out by the end of the year. So don't worry; it just might take a couple weeks just for us to, to organize. The problem with doing it in person is I want us to be able to have headphones on so we can just have our audio. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're probably going to try to do it remotely that way. Uh, but anyway, enough of that. Let's get to the winner, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Our third place is going Gosh. to be... It's been so long. It's spinning, yeah. 22. That is going to go to Bridger. So big thanks to Bridger. You are going to get the WCW NWO Revenge cart and a bunch of extra Patreon cards. All right, next one. Wheel, 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 wheel. 45. Amal GG, you're going to win the signed playmat. All right. Nice. And then our last one. Let's see if we can get this without doing a respin. There's no way. 76. That is going to be to Minjisku. There we go. So Minjisku gets our set box. All right. So that'll be it. Thank you all for listening and tuning in every week. We're getting ready to start season two of Crew 3. Again, nothing's going to change except it's only downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who, who should we cast as the crazy uncle now? Hmm. Who should what? be crazy uncle? Who should be crazy we got, uncle? We got to cast a new next door neighbor. Max. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Max, the new next door neighbor. Door neighbor. All right. We'll have to get Max on for random cameos now. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in listening. Ricky and Chris, thank you for joining me. Where can the people find you on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on the tweeters at it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no T. And Ricky? You can find me on Twitter at, at also Steve. And then you can find me on YouTube at uh, Doormonster and then on Twitch at Doormonster TV. And, of course, you can find me at Crew3Podcast on Twitter. I'll stream a few nights a week at twitch.tv slash Crew3MTG, where I then upload all the VODs to our YouTube channel, Crew3MTG, where, again, be sure if you didn't watch it, or if you just watch it and want to watch it again, check out the wrestling VOD on there. The webcam event VOD will be up hopefully this weekend, early next week. Uh, yeah, thank you all again for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.